the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. Most of you are here, you're tuning in, and I know your stories. Uh, You you know, what's funny on a side note, for those of you who are members of Grace Church of the Bay Area, right now, uh, you are in essence worshiping with people that you have never met but have committed to our church. There are about three families that have found us online since the pandemic began and have committed to our church. Like them, most of you came to our church because you're tired of what's going on in other churches. Uh, The seeker-friendly, the seeker-sensitive, all of that kind of thing. And you say, you know, it's okay. It's okay that we don't have a full band. It's okay that we don't have all these things. It's okay that we don't even have a building. We just want solid teaching. We want, we want songs that reflect the gospel. We, we, we want truth. That's what matters. And you get that on, a, on an ecclesiastical, on, 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 a, on a church-wide level. But we have to get that on a personal level. Don't pursue holiness just for reputation. And all three of these common incorrect motivations for godliness, right? Doing it for reputation, doing it for pleasing spiritual authorities, doing it for influence or respect, they all center around the same thing and thus all miss the same goal. And that is they all center around you and they miss God. That's why the sin multiplies in Paul's absence. It doesn't get better. However, if you train yourself to seek God's pleasure, you will never slip because He is never absent. If you are seeking primarily His accountability and His pleasure, and not mine, not your reputation, not the church, He's never gone. He's always watching, and He knows more than any human being can know. I know it is tough right now. I get that. It is challenging. It is difficult. But I need to warn you. Some of you know that you are doing this by how you have or have not worshipped since live stream began. Why do you stand at church? Why do you bring your Bible but in the live stream you just keep it in the other room? Because nobody's watching. That's a problem. Do you do the things we do at church for God's glory or because, well, if I don't stand up, everyone's going to notice? If I don't bring my Bible or at least pretend to look at an app when he says, open your Bibles, then people are going to notice. If I let the communion elements pass and glorify God through that because I'm in sin, people will notice. What is happening right now is in many ways a blessing 
because it's a gauge of your worship, especially on Sunday mornings. If you would never in a million years miss a Sunday when we're at the cafeteria, but now you're just like, man, I'm tired. I got to do stuff, catch up on work. I'll just watch the recording later. I got bad news for you. You may be seeking godliness because of other people, but there is hope. There is hope. You can repent. You can change. And look, I'm not discounting the, the benefit and the gift from the Lord of positive peer pressure. There is something to that, but we can't just be driven by that. The nature of sin is when the cat's away, the mice will play. We need to seek accountability, but ultimately understand that God never leaves. Well, the second popular saying that teaches us about the nature of sin is found in verses 19 through 20. Let me read that for you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out. Not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The second popular saying that teaches us the nature of sin is put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. It simply means, if you're not familiar, take action to support what you're saying. You talk a big talk, but prove it to us. Do what you say. They speak of the power of physical actions and really the futility of mere words. To address the false confidence of the wayward, Paul says that he plans to come to them soon. And in chapter 16, verse 8 of this very epistle, he actually gives them a specific time frame of when he's going to come, saying that where he is, he is staying only until Pentecost, and then will make his way there. Though not necessary to be said out loud all the time, our attitude should always be the same as Paul's when he says, if the Lord wills. This is not an excuse. This is not a cop-out. Paul fully intends to come, but he understands, especially given his experience and what the Lord has put in his path and in his life, in his ministry since coming to Christ, things don't always go as planned. And so he says, if the Lord wills. Nevertheless, his point is that he will come and he will find out just how much validity there is to what is being said by the Corinthians. In other words, he's going to see if the arrogant ones he's addressing are all talk or if there's actual behavior he calls power to back up what they are proclaiming, what they are saying. See, Paul is not just going to just let them keep on sinning while he sits idly by. He simply loves them too much to ignore the sin and refrain from disciplining. So he writes this letter and he plans to come. It's fitting that he says he will find out the true power behind the arrogant. Again, that means puffed up with air. And so he's, going to, he's saying basically, are you what you say you are? Or as we say today, are you just full of hot air? Are you all talk? Understand that this isn't a genuine inquiry. He knows that they're all talk. He knows that they can't put their money where their mouths are. Because he knows that when he comes, his physical presence, by what he sees, will expose how powerless they are. Why do we know this? 
because in verse 20, he speaks of the kingdom of God. In this case, not talking about the future reality, but this is, as it is many times in the New Testament, a reference to the present spiritual reality of God's power. He knows that the sin that the Corinthians are practicing or the other Corinthians are accepting is not the kind of behavior or talk that is commensurate with the will of God. So there will be no power of God behind it. To put it another way, worldly wisdom is a lot of talk and no action, whereas godly wisdom is all action filled with power, God's power. Contrasting talk and power is exactly what Paul is doing here. This is an issue of efficacy. Can you do what you say you can do? Can you live according to what you are saying? Can you put your money where your mouth is? Remember a previous accusation Paul laid on them. They were acting like kings where Paul is truly living by the power of God through his life and ministry as exemplified by the hardships he endured for the sake of the gospel. Did you catch that? It is the hardships he's enduring that evidences the power of God. The Corinthians, however, are living in luxury and ease. They are patting themselves on the back as though they have already arrived in God's promised rest. Although on the surface... It looks as though the latter is the better choice and reflects the power of God, sitting back and relaxing and getting all of this praise. The reality is that in this world, God's power is seen in running the race and striving for Him, and that includes trials and difficulties. The power to worship through trials and to change the world through the gospel is evidence of the power of divine grace reaching down to enable and work through his faithful. That is the power of the kingdom. And is that what Paul is going to experience when he comes to Corinth to face directly these arrogant? No, at least not unless they repent. Or what he will experience are just empty words and counterfeit power. I mean, remember what they're saying. I mean, these guys are puffed up. They are really see themselves as kings, as the cream of the crop. But it's empty. It's just a charade. And so it may be with some of you. Whom have you fooled? Perhaps, along with others, you have fooled yourself. The right combination of words can justify any action, but that kind of living will have no power. True godliness is not found in clever words or theological oration. True power is found in the power of the Holy Spirit True power is found in the power of a changed life, not just the ability to convince and argue. Listen, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you claim. It doesn't matter what you proclaim. What is your character? It doesn't how many, matter how many you have convinced 
How many follow you? How many hang on your every word? What is your fruit? You see, the power of the kingdom doesn't produce eloquence and oration. As we have seen in 1 Corinthians, as we've seen in the life of Paul, it produces things which are often less noticeable and less valued, frankly, in our world today, but are so much more significant. Things like true faith, things like true love, true repentance, true worship. Only God can do that. And thus, we know if you're all talk, the power comes not from God, but from you. You're smart. God created you as the height of creation, as mankind. You have a brain. You have logic. You have reason. You have abilities. You are made in the likeness and image of God. You have a lot of strength. You have a lot of power. But in the end, if you're not enabled by the Holy Spirit, you are enabled by your own strength and the spirit and wisdom of the world. The way of the world is and has always been you not really expected to put your money where your mouth is. You can say whatever you want and people follow you. Even if you're a pastor these days, say what you want and people assume you live what you say. And that lends to the deceptiveness of sin in your life. You may have others convinced, so much so that you may have yourself convinced. But can you put your money where your mouth is? Scratch that. Do you put your money where your mouth is? And if you don't, can you start now? That will tell you of really how your thinking is, where your power is, and whether you've been completely deceived in your spiritual life by sin. Well, we've seen when the cat's away, the mice will play. Put your money where your mouth is. And finally, the choice is yours. Look at verse 21. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Having assured the Corinthians of his visit and having admonished them for their sin, he now gives them a choice. When he comes, shall he come to discipline for sin or come to fellowship with the repentant? The word rod indicates severity. It is intended as a warning. And keep in mind that a warning is very different than a threat. He speaks of discipline with the word rod, chastisement, rebuke. This was the rod of a loving father per the traditions of the Old Testament and not the whip of the schoolmaster or tutor that we talked about previously. In the scriptures, this would mean, or this would be the means rather, by which a faithful and loving father would drive out the foolishness from his children. For the sake of time, don't turn there, but let me read for you Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. And keep in mind, in the Proverbs and throughout the Scriptures, foolishness is not just equated with disobedience. Foolishness is equated with unbelief, non-Christianity. And that's why Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 say this, Do not hold back discipline from the child. 
Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You will strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol or hell. In the same vein, as their spiritual father, Paul is doing what any godly father would do. Admonish, discipline, rebuke out of love. It's the father's responsibility to severely, as necessary, chastise the wayward child. On the flip side, Paul says he can come with love and a spirit of gentleness. It's their choice. Love is the word agape love, the unconditional and volitional love which seeks the best of others. Gentleness means meekness, restrained patience, gentleness. In this case, it would mean that he would not have to come wielding his apostolic authority or exercise his pastoral power to discipline. Now, this is very important, what I'm about to say, because it can be confusing in the English um, without the understanding of the wider context of the rest of Scripture. Do not contrast love and the rod. They are the same thing. He's just making a specific point here. When done properly, fatherly and brotherly admonishment and rebuke is always done out of love, so much so the Scriptures say that if you don't rebuke someone else, it is a form of hatred, to be clear. The choice the Corinthians face is whether that love is to be expressed in gentleness And yes, I mean exactly what I'm saying, or godly violence. Gentleness or godly violence. When Paul says they have a choice, uh, he's not saying they can request this or the other, of course. The choice is found in their response. It's about how they respond to his admonishment that they're reading right now. If they refuse to repent, he will come with the rod. If they listen and repent, he will come with gentleness. Now, understand that he will not physically beat them. Uh, That kind of discipline is reserved for children. The discipline uh, of a a pastor or a spiritual authority comes mainly in rebuke and confronting sin. And as we will see next week, even church discipline are putting someone out of the church. But back to our text. There's a very important lesson for us here. The rod or gentleness is not about Paul's mood or his feelings, but they are the facts regarding the Corinthians' response to this letter. And again, because of the technology, he may very well not know until he gets there. And we need to keep this in mind when we want to confront sin. It is not about us. It is not about our comfort, our feelings, our rules, our mood, our anger, or our political correctness and refusal to cause waves or stir up trouble. It's first about God and second about God's child. Not your friend, not your brother in Christ, fellow church member, pastor, deacon, elder, whatever. 
God's child. I put it that way because if he is God's child, if she is God's child, then you know very well you need to treat them the way God wants you to and the way God does and would. You ever wanted to confront someone and you're just so mad and you're so angry that as soon as you walk in the door or they pick up the phone, they've clearly repented and apologized, but you've built up your anger and so you just unleash. Then it's about you. Paul will have days, if not weeks, of travel, plus physical difficulties of that travel that could feed anger and harsh feelings so that he could show up and no matter what he sees, he just unleashes. But we know he won't do that because he is a man of God and he understands that even though he has prepared this speech of rebuke, no matter how good it is, he will not say a word of it if they have repented. We don't do that. We go, thank you, I appreciate that, but you know because you've already prepared it. And then all of a sudden, it's about me. It's about me. We got to remember it's about God and about his child. And inherent in that, again, is an adherence to his word, both in your attitude and methodology, as well as how you define what is sin or not. That's very important, too. It's not about your feelings or your assumptions. Don't assume, right? If you, if you recognize you're assuming is a problem, I guarantee it's a bigger problem than you think. And if you think you don't assume, I guarantee you do. Stop assuming. And so, spiritual father or not, we are all to be faithful to the Lord, not only in our repentance, but in our admonishing of others. And by the way, when we say this needs to be done God's way, that means it needs to be done whether you know the person well or not. Again, it's not about you. We need to admonish others. We need to be faithful to repent, as hopefully the Corinthians did, and we need to be faithful to admonish. Again, not out of anger, not seeking mere behavior modification, not assuming, not judging, not stopping at you are appeased. We must do it out of love for God. And when talking about the nature of sin, we have to understand that there are consequences. Even if there is nobody to rebuke you, to admonish you, to teach you, there are consequences in regards to the discipline from the Lord as well as your walk with God. See, when Christians experience pain, or guilt, or strained worship, or even worse yet, they don't experience any of that. They're just in sin and don't care. We want to make them feel better. But like that foot brace, we may make them feel better temporarily, but the sin is still there, and in fact, may very well be getting worse, because you haven't dealt with the sin. But when you confront sin, Though that may cause even more pain temporarily, embarrassment, hard work to deal with the pain, you are fixing the problem. You need to stop coddling the muscle, a.k.a. in this illustration, the spiritual walk with God, and instead build it. 
And as uncomfortable as it is to confront sin, when you as a Christian coddle another believer, you tell them you're okay, we love you, God loves you, you're just fine, you just need to get a job, you just need to keep busy. We're all sinners. And they're like, thank you, thank you, I feel better now. That's not love. It's a form of hatred. And it's a form of side-arming God and saying, I'm going to do it my way because my way is better. And what way is that? The world's way. Political correctness. And most of the time, it's just love for yourself. So I guess it is love just not for anyone else. Because you're doing what feels good to you. You're doing what feels most comfortable for you. Biblical love doesn't just include, it necessitates discipline and rebuke. And bottom line, it cares about more about another's spiritual life and relationship with God. And listen carefully. It cares more about their spiritual life and relationship with God than their happiness or even your friendship with them. Oh, they're not going to want to talk to me anymore. So what? That pales in comparison to God's glory. Not only in your obedience in confronting, but their obedience in repenting. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in Burlingame, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through our website, kfax.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.